This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Broadcasting from the now-quarantined ziggurat at Quarantined Omaha, deep below the quarantined metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to a very clean and tidy, disinfected episode 565 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. Nerds, I don't know much about the coronavirus, and I can't say that I've been tested, but I can say you can't catch it from this podcast, and my name is Matt Baum. Speak for yourself, buddy. I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick, and I have been putting my mouth on every hard surface I can find. That's fine. I mean, it's, I don't think we can, like, pump that out through their RSS. Mm. Time will tell. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Honestly, we don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we have disinfected the THN Review Spotlight just in time to talk about Marvel's new Spider-Woman series and the return of J. Michael Straczynski with The Resistance, number one, then... It's time for comics and cocktails while we review eight more of this Wednesday's new comics during the ludicrous speed round. Good news, booze kills germs. There you go. Yes. Huh? After that, it's up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll tell you about our must-read comic picks for next week, barring the end of society as we know it. And finally, we're talking about the extraordinary League of Spider-Women during our latest Ask a Nerd segment. But... Before we slip into our hazmat suits for at least the next month, these things are going to get really sticky really fast. You got to clean out the inside of that thing. Whew. How about, how are we going to clean? From the inside? What are we going to do? Are you going to wiggle around in there? Yeah, just stick a hose in a port somewhere and slosh around <laughs> in it. <laughs> I'm not taking mine off. <laughs> how about some editorial madness? While we discuss this week's non-coronavirus nerd news. Great news. We are going to be talking about the coronavirus. Oh, our first <laughs> damn story. <laughs> Come on. Uh, the first story is playing it a little bit loosey-goosey as we got a lot of different reports coming in from different sources. Uh, the pandemic is obviously having a huge impact on the entertainment industry, and comics is no exception. Uh, we've seen tons of movie announcements uh, about delays. Black Widow has been delayed indefinitely. No Time to Die, which is the new Bond movie, Mulan, uh, A Quiet Place 2, and Fast 9, which uh, they delayed an entire year. Yeah. There was something else going on there, I think. I don't know what, but there's something else going on. Why, because, like, an why do you think that? An entire year. That seems crazy. <laughs> why do you think like, that? Your conspiracy brain is out of control. A whole damn year? That's nuts. Hey, man, they're just like being safe. I don't know. That or they're like, this movie sucks. And now we have an excuse to fix it. Oh, they're gonna oh, start. Bang. They're gonna start worrying about that now after nine yeah. movies. <laughs> Man, they could. Who knows? We might even get a great New Mutants movie. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like, oh, New Mutants was another one that has been delayed. Perfect chance to fix New Mutants, you guys. <laughs> All right, a silver platter. Here you go. Produ yeah, it sucks, but I do think they need to start looking at. This direct release stuff, like all of a sudden the Invisible Man is available. To yeah, uh, and they Trolls put out two and a they put other out stuff. Star Wars yeah, early and right. stuff like that. Why not? Just say, hey, you want to watch it at home? Twenty five bucks. I'll pay it. And I know I'll it's pay it. Like, I won't it, even it, steal it. Uh, uh, the Universal stuff was like twenty bucks, which I know stings at first. But if you think about it, 
if you took at a minimum your wife to the movies, yeah. that's at least a $25 Absolutely. bill, not even counting concessions. And if you're an alcoholic like my wife, it's a $45 bill. You know? Right. I mean, so it's think honestly, about it. you're saving money by doing it from home. And they already do this stuff in Asia, like in Korea and China, there's this direct you know, download that you can do. And sure, you pay more for it. And I think it is probably the equivalent of like 20, 25 bucks to see the movie. And that's why they leak on the internet so fast. And right. thank you for that. But <laughs> I'm just saying, why not? I mean, do we really need to put it off? Is it that important? I mean, do you think the movie theaters are pushing for this? I don't even know. Well, movie theaters are being shut down. Yeah, but I'm saying like when they reopen and they will, barring, like I said, the end of society as we know it, do you think they want that money and that's one of the reasons we're doing this. I would guess that's part of it. Well, but I mean, here's what I wonder, though. If if and when the theaters reopen, let's say it's in two months or six months or whatever. If everybody's, let's say five years. Let's say it's in five years. Okay. If, every, <laughs> if everybody's already seen these movies at home, they're not going to like re-release Fast 9 in theaters. No. I mean, they wouldn't. It wouldn't get a It would be a release. failure. But I guess this, well, that's not necessarily the studio would have made the money directly. I mean, you know? uh, theatrically speaking, like where would be the audience that hasn't seen it already? At home. They paid for it. It made That's what money. I mean. That's you what know? I'm saying. I mean, what would be the point the of later is, releasing it in theaters? You took the middleman out and then they go, fuck movie theaters. We don't need this at all. Well, we that's can all not, just stay quarantined forever, that's Joe. That's not a great, no. <laughs> No, thanks. <laughs> Production has halted on uh, The Batman, several other movies, obviously. The CW Arrowverse shows, Riverdale, many other non-comic book shows. The list is exhaustive. Uh, just studios are shutting down completely. Numerous conventions have canceled or postponed, including huge events like uh, Emerald City Comic Con, which was supposed to take place, what, like two weeks ago? Last week? Last week. Um, they're saying that it, they're hoping for summer, but... We'll see. Things change hour to hour. Comic-wise, we're seeing companies, uh, publishers like Image, Dynamite, and Boom uh, offering or considering full returnability to retailers for a limited time frame. I think Images was um, 90 days or 60 days uh, yeah. based on the next, free, uh, the next um, final order cutoff date. They also said that that it, may, it could be extended, too, and they're going to play it by ear. Right. You'll notice the big two are not on that list. Way to go, guys. Right, and Eric Stevenson, the uh, head cheese at Image, wrote an open letter um, beseeching the larger publishers in the industry to step up and take, uh, take, a, 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 take measures to support the retail community. Right. Uh, because this is the sort of thing that will cause the retail market to collapse. Oh yeah. For comic Absolutely. shops. Even more so than I mean like restaurants who are, have been said like, oh yeah, you can do stuff takeout and whatnot. Comic shops are kind of screwed right now. Well and, I mean and, uh, you have comic shops like Legend who are in a good place where they have a drive through window and you can drive through and get your stuff. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, Not, there are very few places like that. Well I've I, heard I, of some places doing curbside, curbside pickup. Right. Which mm -hmm. is cool. But you're still bringing in employees to work and whatnot. How long does that last? Right. Like, How long before we, one of your we employees are, shows up sick? We are we are faced with a, a a possibility that the government will decide that all non-essential businesses must close completely. Yeah, it's terrifying. Uh, and if that happens, then I don't know what will happen to comic shops. 
I can't remember the name of the guy, but he tweeted last night and a bunch of people kicked it around. But he said, imagine if Disney were to give 1% of the profits yes. that they made on the Marvel movies. That was Car D'Angelo from Earth 2 Comics. I retweeted it last night. To every comic shop in the yeah. United States just to help them out. I mean, like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, this is the time. It's scary. This is the time, you guys, to uh, like show that you care. I suppose some public, uh, some shops could stay afloat for a while doing strictly mail order, but that's a lot of work. And even then, are you going to go it alone? Are you going to need to bring in a helper? Like you got to have employees to do that. Yeah. And if you've got sick employees, what do you do? Right. Publishers like Image, Aftershock, Vault, and potentially more are planning to cut down on the amount of weekly releases. Uh, in the weeks ahead to limit the impact on retailers that may not be able to remain open, uh, which I mean, like I get it on the it one sucks. hand, that means smaller invoices, but on the other hand, that also means fewer products. There is an argument to be made. Well, what about the digital community? Like we need this shit. We need to escape right now. Please don't cut back on this. But I also understand the other side. And this is just, there's never been a situation like this. We've argued and yelled about, the market and is digital killing print and how retailers are being treated by diamond and the big two. There's never been anything like this. No, and this is terrifying. Anything that you can do to support your local comic shop. And I don't care if it's a GoFundMe or buy a gift it, card. Yeah. Or buying gift cards, whatever. They need your help right now. Yeah. They absolutely need your help. If you're looking for your fix, uh, I know that this week on comiXology, all Image new releases were only 99 cents. The retail structure collapsing, that's definitely a scary thought. But also, like you said, we need to have something we need an escape. to keep us sane. We absolutely do. One, There was a guy that tweeted at me last night when I kicked out that message. New question of the week. Ask him how you, how you are living through your, I called it, comics quarantine or whatever. And this guy apologized. He was like, I feel weird talking about it in the light of what's going on. But I picked up this and this and I was like, fuck that man. If you, if this is your escape and it makes you feel better for 15 minutes, take that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is what we need right now. I'm catching up on a bunch of stuff and reading stuff because I want to escape and I need that escape. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. Absolutely. Don't be embarrassed. Of that. Absolutely. Embrace it. And uh, let's talk about it. And let's scream about it. Yeah. I mean, we want to hear about what you're reading. And we'll get to that later. <laughs> and, and and I know that social media can be a bit of a cesspool, uh, especially I've with I've never all the, had a bad experience. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't get it. Uh, I, especially it, with all the rapid fire news we're getting. Uh, but it's yeah. also a way that we can keep connected to each other. So, you know, don't forget one another. The last little bit of news that I saw this week was that free comic book day has been postponed entirely. They initially had a plan to spread it out through the entire month of May so that they could limit the number of people coming in for free stuff. But we don't know. Well, right. Okay? And the, the people like the guy that created free comic book day was like, that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're, pro they're postponing free comic book day completely uh, until hopefully summer, which is a brutal bummer. Free comic book day is like one of my favorite days of the year. Yeah. It always feels like the beginning of the big nerdy summer movie, like explosion yeah, and stuff con like season. that. And right. like whatever summer event that's going to happen that we're going to be pissed about at Marvel or DC launches then. Yes. You know? I mean, like it, it's just, it's the beginning of the big summer blockbuster nerd season and we're being robbed of it this year. But again, 
we have to stay positive. Right. There are much larger things and responsibilities that we have to accept and just deal with right now so we don't kill our grandparents. You yes, know what I mean? right. <laughs> or someone else's grandparents. So uh, think like, about that. Exceptional. You know nothing about men like me. Joe Patrick, speaking of movies that almost didn't get a shot at all, Bloodshot showed up in theaters this week, and it didn't have the best box office weekend, but luckily it, they have a global pandemic to blame. It was number one at the box office on Thursday. It was number one. I'll give it that. That didn't stop you and I from seeing the movie, however. <laughs> Joey? No comment. Would you say that Valiant is off to a good start here? Oh, baby. Uh, well... No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be brief, no. Uh, you remember a couple weeks ago when I said to you, I'm worried. I'm yeah. worried because we've seen Vin Diesel in plenty of action films, and we've liked plenty of the action films that he's in, but outside of The Fast and the Furious and Pitch Black, I cannot say that I have ever loved a Vin Diesel vehicle, and he was surrounded by a lot of other characters and whatnot in those I, movies. I have to say, Here, though, Vin Diesel was by far the least objectionable part of this movie. See, I disagree. I, thought I, I think he was, was the same as terrible. he's been in every movie. That's my problem. That's exactly my problem. I could not connect with this character. But that's just Vin Diesel, man. You all. get what you get. I understand that. So maybe we don't cast Vin Diesel when we need to make the hero interesting sure i mean but that's like that's like you know you watch the fast and the furious movies and you have to admit to yourself that dom is not the best character no dom is very quiet he barely has any lines yeah. and when he is talking he's talking about family or punching someone in the face to convince us all he's not gay you yeah, know and right. i'm sorry that's not gonna work for a character like bloodshot and this did not work no here's the thing was it terrible no, it was guilty of something else. It was it was boring. Yes, it was boring. It was it took me two viewings. I fell asleep the first time. It was so boring. Uh the the story the story hewed pretty closely to the comics as far as I can recall. It did. Uh, he was a soldier who uh who died and was resurrected by a shady government agency. Or maybe they weren't government, but anyway, a shady agency. They were shit, yeah, and they used the nanites and all that. Yeah, like that and, was that was all there. And look, we're that just gonna we're issue. gonna get into spoilers here because who gives a shit? I did think it was clever. They kept giving him the same backstory and just like copy and pasting the next target's face over the bad guy. Right. As yeah, like a like, way to were, get him to go after them. It seemed to me that like they were trying to play on a bunch of different action movie tropes, which is fun but just accept that and go meta with it and make fun of it you know like get wacky with it even i'm not saying like make this hilarious or anything but accept that it's a very meta thing and put bloodshot like in a scene from die hard or something that they programmed into his memory because that's yeah, yeah. all the guy could come up with or something and all of a sudden this movie is very interesting very meta you know and doing something very cool but it's like it never quite got there and it right. never connected i never cared about the character i knew exactly where it was going and by the end i said to myself 
that was definitely a movie. <laughs> like, that <laughs> was the a, nice, you know. The, um, the movie has uh, exactly one really good thing going for it, and that is Lamorne Morris, the actor yes. that plays uh, Wiggins. Uh, he is also famous for playing Winston on the new, on New Girl, and, and he, he doesn't is show up for amazing. Like an hour and a half. He doesn't show up until the very end of the movie. Yes, you know, uh, it's almost like they wrote him in because they were like, yeah, "There we need is literally no charisma. There is zero charisma right, in this film. Right? We need to insert some personality into this thing like ASAP." Uh, and so you've got Vin Diesel, you've got Winston. Uh, who, that, I'm sorry, he's just always going to be Winston. Every other character in the movie, and there are a lot of them, are totally generic, faceless, pretty yeah. boy, pretty girl stand-ins. Yes. I could not tell you anything about his team members except for that one's got spider legs, one can breathe underwater, and one has one is blind. Other yeah. than that, they had no personality at all. No, there was nothing memorable, and there was just no charisma. There was zero charisma to this movie, and like... I hated it. <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I can't even. <laughs> and it was, it was like I said, it was not even guilty of being so bad that I could have fun with it. It was just fucking boring. I like. I can't even say that it elicited enough of an of an emotional response for me to hate it, which I think is more damning than saying I hated it. See, if I, I hated even, it, at least I, I get I even felt angrier something. with movies like this when I can't at least just have a dumb fun time and laugh at it. Yeah. Even. It you wasn't even mean? that like, I wasn't it, expecting it, it, it to be great, but I thought at best it's going to be silly and we'll have a good time. This is a terrible, it was first a step bad forward time. For Valiant. Yeah. yeah. Take out the global pandemic and the fact that people were terrified to go to the movie theaters. This would have bombed anyway. It was not a good movie and, the, and it's a kicker, bad first step for Valiant. The kicker is that it was co-written by Eric Heiserer, who is a writer that we have enjoyed in the past. He wrote yeah. Arrival. Like, but there's, there's what is also his name like, doing on this project? <laughs> there's also like six different writers' names on the project. So I have a feeling they brought him in the very end to clean up the mess or something. And it was a mess. Uh, so that is a skip it, I guess. Is that what we say? Watch it, something, skip it. You know, it's got to be snappy. So see it, stream it, skip it. Okay, yeah. See it would mean go to the theaters. Right. Stream it would mean stream it, obviously, and skip it. We're given, we're both giving this a skip it. Yeah, it sucked. We just made a new movie rating. This is great. Man, we're just constantly evolving. We're so good at this. <laughs> <laughs> That is your nerd news for the week, but uh, you know what? Quite frankly, we did not really miss any other stories because everybody was talking about the state of the world. Uh, but however, we did scrub all of our new comics clean this week. Hit us up on the THN Forum's big news section or any of our social media outlets and talk to us about these stories or anything you think we missed. It is spotlight review time in the ziggurat, and this week, I had to hold Joe's comic up so he could read it because his hands are all dry and scaly from constant washing. Joe, you could go first, but you are moisturizing after this young man, and I don't want to hear about it. Fine, but lotion makes my skin greasy. 
I'm reviewing The Resistance. Number one, it's from a brand new publisher, Artists, Writers, and Artisans, uh, which Terrible I will name. be referring Terrible to as name. <laughs> AWA for the remainder of eternity. It's written by J. Michael Straczynski with art by Mike Diodato Jr. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's just a listen. J. Michael Straczynski, creator of Babylon 5 and writer of Beloved Runs. <laughs> On the amazing Spider-Man, Thor, and Superman Earth-1, returns to comics teaming with Mike Diodato Jr., the blockbuster artist of The Amazing Spider-Man, The Incredible Hulk, and Infinity Wars? That's huh? what they chose? <laughs> Not New Avengers? What? <laughs> Together, they plant the flag for a new universe of heroes and villains. A global disaster leaves hundreds of millions dead in its wake. Shortly after, a few thousand suddenly manifest superhuman powers. Are they harbingers of more perils to come? Dot, dot, dot. Or Earth's last hope? The brain trust of AWA is a who's who of controversial figures from Marvel Comics past, most notably Bill Jameis, former Marvel bigwig who had a hand in some of the very best and some of the very worst comics in the past 20 years. I really like Bill Jameis, and it's because it's Jason Sachs' fault. <laughs> I think it, I, I, I like him because he was kind of like a modern-day Jim Shooter. He did what he wanted, yeah, and he didn't give a fuck. Very much so. I love Jim Shooter. Uh, also present, as I said, is J. Michael Straczynski, the man partially responsible for wiping out Spider-Man's marriage, among many other egregious moments. <clears throat> he will also not Gwen admit Stacey's to that. Gwen Stacy's love children. <laughs> he will admit to Gwen Stacy's love children, but he will not admit to wiping out the marriage. Yeah. Uh, but hey, it, it's a fresh start for all involved, so I was willing to sure. give AWA's offering a fair shake. Straczynski's script presents a world ravaged by a deadly global pandemic. Uh, it hits particularly hard, giving our current reality, <laughs> but unlike like the timing... Wow. It's almost as if he knew so. Uh, hmm. <laughs> but unlike what's going on in the real world, a small percentage of the survivors of the XV1N1 virus end up with unexplainable superhuman powers. They got to market a better name. Like yeah, really. XV1N1. That's not scary. Name Corona, it after a, that's scary. Name it after a beer. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting hook. Uh, the problem is that JMS spends the entirety of the issue showing us how the governments and citizens of the worlds are dealing with a situation instead of a core group of characters that you can connect to. Uh, the issue felt a bit dry. It was exposition heavy. The premise is interesting, even though it was a little bit familiar. The whole idea of a virus causing superhuman powers is pretty well trod. Uh, George R.R. R. Martin's Wild Cards is a big one. But I found myself searching for at least one character to relate to, and there are none. Mike Diodato's art is exceptional here, though I thought some of the facial expressions were a little bit wonky. Diodato's photorealistic backgrounds are beautiful. I was especially impressed with the layouts as the grid that forms each page's panels expands all the way to the edges. It keeps an issue that is essentially all talking heads visually interesting. Don't get me wrong. I understand the need for the world building, but... He spent so much time showing us, here's what's happening with this government. Here's what's happening in this church. Here's what's happening with these people. That we didn't learn who the protagonists are. And that's where I found it lacking. The Resistance, number one, offers an interesting premise. It spends so much time explaining the premise ad nauseum. It has none left over to hook readers with equally compelling characters. So I'm giving it a skim it. JMS is... 
most famous for his TV work, no question. And this certainly felt to me like a TV script that he yes. had written and is trying to adapt to comics with the least amount of work possible. <laughs> like he threw yeah. a script to poor Mike Diodato and said, here we go. Let's make a comic out of this. And, and you know, you know, Diodato looked at it and was like, oh my God, this is page after page after page of dialogue <laughs> and world building, yeah, and which when you do that, and it's wordy setting, too. that's the thing. When you do that in TV setting, maybe the first 15 pages of this story take five minutes because it's just them going back and forth, Aaron Sorkin style, spouting out smart dialogue. But when you do it in a comic book, Wow. <laughs> yeah. Does it take a long time? And with a with a TV show, you've got the charisma of the actors to carry the material. Exactly. In a static it, comic, exactly. you don't have it. And I mean, and it's one thing if you're writing Wolverine or you're writing Captain America or you're or you're even writing Shazam, you have that charisma that's built into the character where you can do some of that and we're going to stick around. This is brand new. And this just felt like I was reading a TV script that was slapped onto a comic book. And again, just like with Bloodshot, it's guilty of being boring. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was kind of boring, yeah. Like there is, there is a story here. There's some interesting stuff behind it. The art is very good. Diodato does everything he can to make this more exciting. But I was bored. I'm giving the skim it as well. All right. Let's brighten things up with some superheroes, huh? It's what we do here, apparently. Ladies and gentlemen, Spider-Woman is back for another new series. And number one from Marvel Comics is written by Carla Pacheco with art by Pere Perez. 32 pages for $3.99. And here's your solicit. Spider-Woman is back and pulling no punches! Jessica Drew hasn't been feeling like herself lately. She's not a scrub. We promise. That's a callback to some other stuff. When the angry, irritable, and unwell Spider-Woman takes a simple security gig to help her get back on her feet, she finds herself besieged by unknown forces out to destroy everything around her. What is wrong with Jessica? Just how did she get this job? Did is in all caps for some reason. And who And who are the violent lunatics who keep trying to blow her up? Who cares? Does Spider-Woman have someone to punch? That's all that matters! What is going on? This is the. This could be one of the worst solicits I've ever read. And actually, this this is like, yeah, I'll read this book. Yeah, <laughs> an explosive new series that pushes Spider Woman into the heights of action and adventure from the mad minds of Carla Pacheco and Pere Perez. This is the Spider Woman book you've been waiting for. Uh, well, I will be the judge of that, yeah. sir. <laughs> or ma'am, creative team. Pardon me. Carla Pacheco is not a name that I recognize, but. With no evidence whatsoever, I'm gonna say she's Carlos Pacheco's spunky kid sister. That is your go-to move. Is I picture her on with no a evidence. skateboard, follow him around everywhere, going, "Wait for me, Carlos." <laughs> Pacheco got her start on Rick and Morty comics at Oni before working on the 2019 Punisher annual and the Fantastic Four 2099 one-shot that same year. 
Perry Perez has been around since 2011 when he started as a fill-in artist on Birds of Prey and Batgirl DC. From there, Perez sharpened his talents at Valiant for several years before coming to Marvel. His art is clean, it's sharp, and it is damn impressive. Whether Spider-Woman is punching bad guys or cuddling her new baby. When paired with the colors of a veteran like Frank Darmata, I don't even know how to say that, the art just pops, and it's just slick i have zero complaints here art wise the backup story the second story is drawn by i believe it's paulo sequera uh whose art is super impressive oh when they do like the uh, two weeks previous yeah the costume thing it reminds me a lot of early greg land where greg land came on the scene and we were all just like blown away by his character back when we loved greg land yeah yeah now it's hard to love Greg Land. <laughs> in this story, Jessica's back in the game, running around in the pages of her team book, Strike Force, which gets a nod here. By the way, is anyone still reading Strike Force? Uh, I'm behind, <laughs> but I like it. Okay. And she's looking for a job that pays. So, of course, she takes a job working private security for a billionaire whose daughter has been receiving kidnapping threats. And which, by the way, why would you threaten to kidnap someone? Wouldn't you just go kidnap them? (laughs) Yeah, I guess I don't know how that works. Letting them know that you're thinking about possibly kidnapping them. I've never planned a kidnapping. I don't know. I'm not a kidnapper. It just seems like a bad way to go. I don't know. And when the kidnappers finally do show up, it turns out something is going on with Jessica's powers, too. Pacheco's script uses time jumps to tell the story, and it never got confusing, but I will say the time jumps also didn't add much to the mystery of the story. The story begins with Jessica in a situation. Then it jumps two days ago for some of the situation setup. Then it jumps two weeks ago for more of the situation setup. Again, it wasn't confusing, but it just felt a little unnecessary. Yeah, I you, guess I'm kind of used to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of used to it. I, I get it. But like when you think about time jumps that are used well, when you think about a movie like Memento or a Tarantino movie like Pulp Fiction, where the time is jumping around and telling the story like a little bit of this, or pardon me, Reservoir Dogs, where we open up with a scene with guys bleeding. And we're like, oh, my God, how do we get here? There's something to that, and it works. But that's kind of what happened. And that's kind of what this did, right? She's fighting kidnappers, and then all of a sudden it's like, how did I get in this situation? I suppose, but I, they just sort of spelled everything out, and we got to right where it was, and there wasn't a real mystery. Like, I get it. Why may, is Spider-Woman fighting kidnappers? Because Spider-Woman's a superhero, and she fights kidnappers. <laughs> I, get I get it. You hate women. Move on. <laughs> yes. I like the dialogue, and the story was fine. It's cool to see a character trying to balance hero and mom responsibilities, but I'm going to sound like a grumpy old fanboy here. I have to wonder if Spider-Woman can sustain a monthly series. I love the character personally, and we love to read a good monthly series. Brian Michael Bendis and Dennis Hopeless both took a shot at Spider-Woman not too long ago, and both their series were great. Until they got canceled. <laughs> now, to be fair, I think the Bendis one only lasted as long as Bendis was interested in writing it. And the hopeless one. I think that's true. I the think hopeless true. one had a pretty good run. Until it got canceled. Yes. Well, that's how, these, solid, that's how things work in comics. This is a solid issue with Spider-Woman. I even like the new costume. A lot of people are bitching about it. But I can't call it great. Marvel is publishing a lot of comics that are fine at best. And while the art shines here, the story is fine at best. The only new idea is the problem with Jessica's powers. And 
maybe that could be interesting going forward, but I can't say I need to know what's going on yet. I like the way Pacheco was writing Jessica. There was a weird scene where she takes a cab home, and I thought she could fly. But we'll maybe talk she about was that tired. more later. We'll talk about that more later. But if this series is going to break the Spider-Woman curse, Pacheco is going to have to kick the story up a notch. Right now, I can only give this a skimming. See, I disagree with you. I, I don't think that there is a Spider-Woman curse. Uh, I, I know it was never like Marvel's best-selling book, but the Dennis Hopeless run on Spider-Woman was universally praised. It was. And it ran it several years. Uh, sorry. And I get that like she doesn't have the most successful track record as a character. She was kind of a weird throwback to the 70s and 80s when Bendis dragged her out of obscurity. But I I love Jessica Drew. Uh, I I I hate her new costume. I I'm sorry. I Dude, know really? that you like it, but I really dislike it. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I like I mean, the freaking like, motor motorcycle jacket and goggles better. I did kind of like the jacket. <laughs> and I get like the urge to update the character's look, but uh, this was a miss for me. But uh, I thought that the the hook that there's something wrong, like she's down on her luck. She needed to take this job because she has to pay the bills. She's got a kid to feed. Right. There, there's even a scene in the in the book where she is talking to her boyfriend or whatever his name, whoever his name is, and he's like, "We used the last diaper, and the baby is wrapped in a newspaper." <laughs> so no, yeah, I, I, I get the I get where the story's going. Uh, the idea that there's something wrong with her powers. There's something clearly going on with her, and I'm interested to see what. I thought the art was great. I, I have I have no real complaints about it. I honestly I think what Hopeless did introducing the idea that Spider Woman got pregnant and she had a baby. I wish they would go a little more in that direction. We had very little of the child being part of it and her being a mom, and I would like to see more of that. I think that's interesting. That's I can't sure. say that I think her getting in a situation where she full on assaults a child in one point. <laughs> I, I did think that was funny though. It was funny. And that kid was a shithead. Don't get me wrong, but you can't throw a kid off a boat and then throw a kid at a terrorist. You can't do that. Well, that's I how mean, you go to prison. How you shitty know, is the kid? The kid is <laughs> shitty. I agree, but you cannot do that. It is against the law. All right. All it's right. called uh, assaulting a minor. Uh, I, I, I just, I think there's more interesting stuff they could be doing with the character, and I wish they would because I genuinely love this character. Sure. I mean, it's a, for me, it was a first issue. It introduced some ideas that will obviously be explored. Uh, I enjoyed what I read. I'm giving it a buy it. So that is a double skim it for Resistance number one and a buy it from Joe Patrick, who loves everything, and a skim it from me. Did we just talk about how much we hated Bloodshot? <laughs> We'll post our written reviews over to nerd.com and we're going to do that. And we're going to be more, we're going to be better about it. We're doing it. So don't tell me you, what to I'm, do. I'm pointing you. So working super mothers everywhere can let me know how much they enjoy being criticized by dudes. But we need to know what you nerds thought of these comics too. So hit us up on our forums or even the THN Facebook fan page. It is a safe place where fans actually get together, talk about comics and no one is shitty. I don't get it. I don't get it. We've literally done nothing. Yeah, uh, it's almost like... We've just let them live, and they're doing great. It's a happy place wow. on the internet. It blows my mind. We should do stuff like that more often. That's why I'm not allowed there. Okay. <laughs>
It's time to review more of this week's comics, but before we do that, let's wet our whistles with a cocktail from the official THN bartender, Mr. Justin Fletcher, who put together the cocktail of the week. Justin, what are we sipping on this week? All right, this week for Spider-Woman, we are going to do a, well, I guess my take on a Jungle Bird. So Jungle Bird is uh, an ounce and a half of dark rum, let's say Gosling's because it's really good. So ounce and a half of dark rum, half ounce of uh, lemon, uh, fresh squeezed lime, half ounce of Campari, half ounce of simple syrup, one ounce of pineapple juice, fresh or uh, some concentrate in a can, I guess, uh, for this, this purpose. Um, we're going to put all those contents into a shaker. So it's a nice and shake it for like you know, 30 seconds to a minute until the shaker is really good and frosted over. You're just going to pour the contents into a box glass, top it with rocks. And then uh, for garnish, um, typically, um, I mean, you can go any way you want, but you'd like to stuff just a ton of mint in there. Slap it really good, throw it in the glass. Enjoy, guys. Now with Drink in Hand, join us as we review eight more of this Wednesday's new comics during... The Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Archangel 8, number one from AWA. This was the one that was great, right? Ah, uh, hmm. <laughs> Michael Morisi introduces two opposing groups of black ops assassins that I guess happen to be angels? It's unclear. Oh. Like okay. the Resistance, Archangel 8 provides no central plot or characters to connect to. We get a lot of talk and action from a lot of different characters that C.P. Smith's art makes difficult to discern beyond generic descriptors of male and female. <laughs> Any supernatural hook to the story is left to the absolute last page, and even then, it's only hinted at. The solicit for Archangel 8 shows a lot of promise that the first issue simply fails to deliver. I'm giving this a skim it. It's too bad. I really like this. Me too. Artemis and the Assassin, number one from Aftershock. Aftershock has been on a roll with new series, and this looks like another great addition to their stable of books. Megan Hetrick is a new name to me, but her art here is amazing. She's a soft line that reminds me of Terry Dodson, but I might argue she's even better at action sequences. Dodson gets a little posy here and there. Stephanie Phillips' story is a fun take on time travel, but unlike most time travel stories, it doesn't focus on the rules. In fact, here assassins are trained from a young age to go back in time and kill very important people for money. <laughs> <laughs> of course, there's a mystery building about the company that is making them do it, too. I'm giving this a bite. It was really cool. Dr. Tomorrow, number two from Valiant. I was a bit confused by writer Alejandro Arbona, who I consistently mixed up with Runaways co-creator Adrian Alfona. Luckily, Valiant's Dr. Tomorrow didn't suffer from my ignorance. Arbona offers a solid sci-fi time travel adventure set firmly in the Valiant universe. Don't worry too much if you don't understand all the references. The protagonist, Bart Sims, is in the same boat. Artist Jim Toe delivers some fine art done in a standard superhero style. Reminded me a lot of Mike Norton, who I love. Yeah, I love. Man, me too. Dr. Tomorrow number two may get a bit bogged down with Valiant continuity and a convoluted plot, but I still enjoyed the read. I'm giving it a very strong skim it. Buy it for me. I've been loving Dr. Tomorrow. I mean, just in case you're not a huge Valiant fan and you get a little confused. Starship Down number one from Dark Horse. There are plenty of sci-fi themed comics on the stands, but writer Justin 
Giam Paoli. Sorry if I said that wrong. His tale of a team of Russian and Americans that discover a UFO buried deep in Siberian ice has the creepy, cinematic, slow burn feel that I love so much and reminded me of John Carpenter's The Thing. Andrea Moody's art is more realistic than I'm used to with very muted colors by Vladimir Popov that almost give the comic a documentary look. Starship Down was an excellent first issue that seems destined for a TV series and a streaming service very soon. I am giving this a huge buy it. Outlawed number one from Marvel. Outlawed sets the stage for this teenage Civil War clone, which sees Marvel's young heroes forbidden to fight crime after a recent tragedy. Eve Ewing's story is always engaging, thanks to the dynamic art of Kim Yacinto. The slam-bang action scenes are rendered with Yacinto's hyper-exaggerated anatomy and impressive colors by, and I am sorry, <laughs> Espen Grundichern. Grundichern? Grundichern. Yeah, Norwegian, Swedish, yeah. Danish area. Sounds like an Overwatch character. Uh, not a lot happens besides the inciting incidents that set up the main event, but this one shot offers plenty of exciting moments and an excellent primer for the crossover to come. Outlawed number one gets a buy it. I really liked it. I thought this was a great use of these characters. It was a great kickoff. It is very similar to Civil War, but we'll see yeah. how it plays out yeah. in, the, in the main titles. Hopefully better. X-Ray Robot number one from Dark Horse. Mike and Laura Alred might be the most talented creative team in comics today, and they blew me away with this 60s sci-fi inspired tale of a dimensional hopping scientist trapped in a robot body and his own. Mike Alred's cartooning ability is literally without equal. His kitschy psychedelic style brings zany joy to every panel, even when humans are melting in alien laser fire. X-Ray Robot is more extremely high-quality comic sci-fi stuff in the vein of Golden Age EC titles from two creators at the top of their game. I don't think I could love this first issue more. It was the best thing I read all week. Go out and buy this. It's just wonderful. Wicked Things, number one from Boom. The Eisner Award-winning team of John Allison and Max Saren have reunited for this tale of an aging teen detective set within their Giant Days universe. Charlotte Grote finds herself suffering from a mid-youth crisis about to age out of her teen sleuth status when she's nominated for Best Teen Detective of the Year, <laughs> parentheses, ages 16 through 18. Yeah, you're 19. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, being framed for murder really puts a damper on the ceremonies. Allison's dialogue is whip smart, giving each character a unique voice and personality. As everything he writes, it is exceedingly British, and I love it. Saren excels at providing his characters with expressive faces and body language. Wicked Things number one is the perfect salve for readers that miss the beloved giant days and a compelling mystery for those that don't. I'm giving it a huge buy it. I did not know that's what this was. Neither did I, because I came on to giant days late, so I had never seen this character before. Fair enough. Robin, 80th anniversary special from DC. Normally, these anniversary specials can be a very mixed bag of old and new creators telling good and bad short stories. This Robin anniversary issue proved to be a pleasant surprise, however, packed full of stories centering around every Robin to date by creators that worked on each during their tenure on the Bat Books. 
Marv Wolfman, Judd Winnick, Devin Grayson, and even that shithead Chuck Dixon reunites with Scott McDaniel to tell a Nightwing story that... God, it just nailed me. <laughs> this entire issue was packed full of fantastic glimpses into the different Robins throughout their career, and I really enjoyed every single one of them. The Winnick story actually got me a little misty, and I don't even particularly like that Robin. I'm giving this a massive buy it. It was uh, so good. The the news the news today was that the Robin anniversary special restored Stephanie Brown's status as a Robin. I mean, she has a story in there. After being, but there's like a time or there's like a, a bio page that says she was the fourth, like she was eliminated in the New Fifty Two. Yeah, no, that is true. That is so true. They, they show like a, a bio page that yeah. like sketches out everybody's time. As Robin. <laughs> so, Stephanie is definitely there. So they officially restore her time as Robin, but they erased her time as Batgirl. <laughs> because yes. it says she goes from being Robin back to being spoiler. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to reading this. I heard really great it things was, about it. It was so good. Wum pum pum punky. That is your ludicrous speed round and thwum pum pum punky is the sound a water demon makes when caught in a refrigerator in suburban Kansas. As seen in the pages of Doctor Strange, number 18. This is one of the best we've ever had. That's it's an excellent one. onomatopoeia, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, this onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by JD Got a Catch via the THN Facebook fan page. Thank you, JD. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can post it to any of our social media accounts or send me an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Better yet, call us and make the noise. Tell us where it came from and we will play it on the show. 402-819-4894. It's time to head to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where this week we're working on a plan to create a magic germ-proof force field around the ziggurat, but it seems we don't have near enough goat or virgin adult fanboy blood, and neither of us can figure out a way to get it and not violate our social distancing policies and Murdering anyone in these hazmat suits is going to be next to impossible. They're so noisy. We got a real problem here, buddy. While I kick this around, why don't you tell these nerds about your must-read pick for next Wednesday, March 25th. Next week, I am curious to read Hellions number one from Marvel (laughs) Comics. Uh, It's written by Zeb Wells, who I have enjoyed in the past. It's got art by Steven Segovia, who I've also enjoyed in the past. I really like him. It's 32 pages for $4.99. God damn it, Marvel again with that shit. It's special. I told you. I'm not done telling you this. uh, Here's your solicit. (laughs) Bad is the new good. When Krakoa opened their doors to all mutants and forgave all past crimes, they might have known they'd have to accept some of their worst foes into the fold. But they didn't plan for what to do with them. That seems like bad planning. Come on! (laughs) Not to worry, though. Mr. Sinister knows what to do with the Troublemakers. Meet his new Hellions. Scalp Hunter. Wild Child. (laughs) Empath. Nanny. Orphan Maker. Psylocke. And Havoc? What? What are Psylocke and Havoc doing there? I think maybe they're like the Wardens. We'll see. I hope so. Under Sinister's direction, they are sure to become productive members of society. Writer Zeb Wells, I'm not going to yell that shit, and artist Steven Segovia bring you the team you're going to hate to love. Uh, We were both very puzzled by this announcement. It's weird. When it came out. uh, That said, I 
love Wild Child. <laughs> totally love I, Wild Child. I honestly cannot remember the last time I saw Nanny and Orphan Maker in a comic book. It may have been X Factor in the 80s. It, like during Inferno, right? Like that may have been the, the beginning and end of yeah. their career. Yeah. I'm sure they popped up somewhere, but it wasn't anywhere memorable that we need to mention. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, and I, you know what? I'm a sucker for Havoc. I love Havoc in a leading role. I love Havoc. So I love Havoc, but I'm tired of them doing Havoc dirty. Every Same time here, he shows man. up, I don't want. It's like, I, oh, like Havoc's doing this, but he fucks up, and now he's a bad guy. Like, stop it! Right, no. right. <laughs> like he's been, he's been a member. He's been a superhero for almost as long as his brother. Yes, <laughs> quit kicking him around, <laughs> Jesus. Matt Bomb, what is your pick? My pick for next week is Exo Manowar number one from Valiant. It is written by Dennis Hopeless with art by Emilio Laslo. 32 pages for $3.99. It's not as special, obviously, no, no. as Hellions. Here's your solicit. Win the battle! Lose the world! Arek of Dacia, a 5th century warrior catapulted into the modern day, has been bonded with a sentient alien army. And Hara. Yep, that's it. There we go. Yeah. Together, they are the most powerful weapon in the world. Exo Manowar! As a mysterious new villain arises to threaten the world, will this ancient warrior evolve into the superhero we need today? Exo Manowar has been gone for a little while at Valiant, and this book has been basically the Conan the Barbarian of the Valiant universe. I get it. It's a it's like a guy essentially in an Iron Man suit, but it is so badass and violent. It is like, what if Conan put on the iron hands sure yeah <laughs> it uh, is a fantastic book and i love dennis hopeless i i love exo man of war i i have a hard enough time keeping up with valiant i wish they'd stop relaunching books well they they're doing like the same type of thing that marvel does where they tell a story and they stop and then they tell another story i guess start with I guess. another number just, one and everyone is guilty of that so you may as well quit reading comics it's true it's just hard for me to keep track of where i need to go next you know well, you seem to do fine when DC does it. Well, they're special. <laughs> uh, Just saying. <laughs> the THN Trade of the Week goes to Dr. Doom, Volume 1, Pottersville Trade Paperback. It's from Marvel Comics, written by Christopher Cantwell, with art by Salvador LaRocca. It's 136 pages for $15.99. Here's your solicit. Victor Von Doom is at a crossroads, wrestling with visions of an entirely different life, a better future. The Lord of Latveria offers mankind a stark warning about the folly of a trillion-dollar global effort to create the first artificial black hole. But when a catastrophic act of terrorism kills thousands, the prime suspect is doom. Left with no homeland, no armies, no allies, indeed, nothing at all, will Dr. Doom's reign come to an abrupt end? Forced to seek out an old frenemy, don't do that in a Doctor Doom story, for help. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> Victor will go, oh, wait, but remember, he also did a joke. Uh, <laughs> he did Brexit stage left in the first issue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Victor will go through hell, literally, and his old foe Mephisto is waiting for him there. Doom will have to battle Taskmaster, Modok, the Blue Marvel, and more, but can he clear his accursed name? This collects Doctor Doom one through five. You may have heard Matt Bomb singing its praises on a it. recent episode. I love it. I need to get ca caught up. Uh, Matt was threatening to turn it into a segment, uh, so we might be doing that soon. These are just a few of the comics hitting the new shelves at your local comic shop next Wednesday, March twenty fifth. 
hopefully. So be sure to add them to your pull files and let us know what you're reading over at the THN forums. You may have noticed we started a new weekly THN Twitter poll, and the first one was very Spider-Woman-centric. We asked you nerds, who is your favorite Spider-Woman? Well, 90.2% of you settled on Jessica Drew. But it became very apparent that not many of you had any idea there was another Spider-Woman, let alone a bunch of other Spider-Women. So, on this episode of Ask a Nerd, Joe and I are going to break down the powers and history of the two most popular, and I would argue, only real Spider-Women. And we're going to start off with Jessica. Let's lay it down. Look, up on the building, it's Spider-Woman. Her first appearance was Marvel Spotlight, number 32. This was back in February 1977. She was created by Archie Goodwin and Mary Severin. Marie? Marie. Yeah, Marie Severin. Marie Severin. There we go. Mm -hmm. In her first appearance, Spider-Woman was an actual spider that evolved into a human as imagined by writer co-creator Archie Goodwin. It's a bad idea. was very quickly retconned <laughs> in Marvel 2 and 1, 29 through 32. This was also in 1977 by Marv Wolfman to the Jessica we know today. It turned out the memories of her being a spider were implanted by Hydra. Like Those you do. sons of bitches. For reasons. <laughs> Sometimes you want your operatives to think they're a spider. But like, how do you, like, is that the kind of thing that you go to your therapist and you're like, look, I just, I used to be a spider. And I know <laughs> it. Like, Things been, are different now. Look, I get it. <laughs> I've got, I've got like a 10 fly a day habit and I can't shake it. Jessica Drew had several series, but her first solo series was back in 1978. It lasted for 50 issues and it was created solely because Stan Lee was afraid another company <laughs> would steal the name. Well, that's why we, that's how we got She-Hulk, too. It's true. Marv Wolfman wrote the series for eight issues, uh, along with Carmen Infantino on art, until he admitted, well, he said he needed to stop because of his heavy workload, but he later on admitted he felt no connection to the character whatsoever and didn't especially like her. That's when Mark Grunewald took over and kind of went nuts with it. Jessica Drew has been on a ton of teams. She was on the Avengers. She was a member of Hydra, although she was a spy. One of the Lady Liberators in the recent Captain America series. She was a new Avenger. She's been a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. She is now on the Strike Force team, worked with S.W.O.R.D. She was a secret Avenger, and she was also part of the Web Warriors in the Spider-Verse crossover. I don't know if they're an official team, but... Yeah, oh, you know, it. I mean, they, it was a thing. She got on a team, and they went and had to do a thing. And they did call the book Web Warriors. That's so, true. Yeah. There you go. Her powers came when her mother was struck with a beam of radiation that contained the DNA of several different types of spiders while pregnant with Jessica. Whoa. I don't know what that means. <laughs> how do you a put a beam of radiation? How do you put it, DNA in a beam of radiation? Yeah, that's a whole thing. It, it, as we dig into the character of Jessica Drew, a character that I very much like, I quickly discovered that Marvel didn't put a lot of thought in this. <laughs> they just kind of threw a bunch of shit at the wall and it all stuck. Here is a list of Spider-Woman's powers. 
She's superhumanly strong, able to lift around seven tons at her peak. She possesses superhuman speed, stamina, agility, and reflexes. She's resistant to injury. So, so far, very Spider-Man. She possesses superhuman hearing and smell. She used that smell <laughs> so well that once she was able to distinguish a life model decoy from the real Nick Fury. I have literally never seen her uh, display those powers ever in no, I my this 41 years of thing. reading comics. <laughs> her palms and soles secrete a special fluid that allow her to cling Ooh, to solid boy. objects. I hate when they explain the wall sticking. I hate it. I know. Now, doesn't Spider-Man have like little like gecko like hairs that like... That was uh that was Sam Raimi's doing. I don't believe it was ever attributed to that in the comics. In fact, I think uh didn't JMS give us that? Uh it was I remember I remember an issue of Spectacular Spider-Man in the 80s where Electro discovered that the reason Spider-Man could stick to walls was because of static electricity. That is stupid. And he was able to negate it. That is what? That doesn't make any sense. Electro was able to negate the static charge. Oh, because Electro was, yeah, not yeah. Spider. I thought you right. meant like Spider-Man's power was negating. Like, I'm like, no. No, no, no. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I I, don't care how it happens. I don't need to know about it. I don't need to know yeah. about tiny hairs. I definitely don't need to know about secreted fluid. Yeah, slime that comes out of her Yuck, feet and hands. No, thank you. <laughs> While she's she wearing highly- gloves, no less. She is highly resistant to all terrestrial poisons, toxins, and completely immune to radiation. Just like a spider. Sure. (laughs) She also exudes a high concentration of pheromones that elicit pleasure and attraction from others. Depending on unknown factors, they've never really spelled it out, which could include her gender and her mood, although she typically uses a chemical perfume that renders these pheromones inert. So she There's like, a lot going on here already, and we're not done. So she sprays like an axe body spray over all over her body so that she doesn't like accidentally make dudes horny. But it's like the opposite of axe body spray, where axe body, like you don't have that thing that makes people horny. Uh, so you spray axe body spray. This is like an axe body spray that shuts down your natural chemicals that make people horny. Wow. All right. Yeah, I know. Let's it's a whole on. thing. I, Moving right along. Yeah. She also, her body produces an inordinate amount of bioelectrical energy, you know, like a spider, which she can discharge from her hands. She calls them venom blasts. Uh, pardon me. Though, what is an ordinate amount? Well, I would argue of bioelectrical energy. None. <laughs> I would say none. Oh, now hold on now. <laughs> Point of no. order. Don't know. I know you're going with this, and no. The Marvel Encyclopedia Power Rankings, (laughs) where baseline one means none. (laughs) Which is stupid. (laughs) We're not doing this. Where Aunt May had a, like, an energy blast. Energy projection level of one. Energy projection level of one. Which means (laughs) none. Which means she can project some energy, which is stupid. The scale is from one to five, not zero to four. That's ridiculous. Okay. I'm <laughs> not going back into this. Regardless, it is my favorite argument that we ever have. Jessica's venom blast is essentially an electronic blast, like lightning that shoots out of her yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah. It's like a zap. And she can, like, kill a dude with it if she wants to. It's like a tase. Yeah, it's like a strong tase. Here's where we get into the nitty gritty of some stuff we talked about during the review because you and I both thought Spider Woman can fly. I thought she could fly. 
I not only thought she could fly, I looked up and found panels of her flying. Was she flying or was she gliding? Here's what the wiki says. Jessica was able to glide through unknown means using the web-like extensions of her costume, but seems to have gained the power to fly after being replaced by the scroll queen, Varanki. I guess you can... Hand wave away during explanation by saying seems to. Well, that was during the secret invasion. Now, here's the thing. Yeah. After secret invasion, she got all her powers back and was feeling much better. Right. And has definitely flown around. So she can fly. She flew around in Dennis Hopeless's series. She flew straight up. Flew. Okay. So I mean, a cab to go home. Okay. Look. Man, the latest issue. <laughs> I get it. So she can fly. You know what? If I, I can, can fly, I'm never getting on a fucking plane again, dude, let alone a cab. She doesn't have an infinite reservoir of stamina. She's not Superman. She Maybe she just New didn't York. feel like flying. She was going from Central Park to her apartment. It's not like she was going to Rio de Janeiro. You don't know how okay. far that is. <laughs> Give me a goddamn break. It may have been way uptown. <laughs> Tell me about my favorite Spider-Woman. Julia Carpenter. All right, I will. After appearing in the shadows in the previous issue, Julia's first full appearance was in issue number seven of the original Marvel superheroes Secret Wars in 1984. It was retroactively explained that her original costume inspired the look of Spidey's black and white symbiote outfit. I say it doesn't make any sense because that costume was an alien. (laughs) So (laughs) yes, but he designed it. Like, he's the one that created the pattern with his mind. That's true. That's true. So the reason I say retroactively uh, is because the timing of Civil War was weird. Uh, Civil War took place over the course of an entire year. But in terms of the monthly books, you had Amazing Spider-Man 251 ends on a cliffhanger. He goes into the spaceship. Amazing Spider-Man 252, blip, he's back in the black costume. With a beard. Yeah, with a beard. Uh, <laughs> he had a blip beard. <laughs> so I, I, I think that they just kind of retroactively tossed that in there, in there that like he saw her in action and was like, ooh, that's a cool costume. It's like, man, that chick's hot. Yeah, I'd like to wear hot. that chick's clothes. I want to be hot like her. Look, like we've all woman. been there. We've all you know, been there. Hot like a woman. <laughs> uh, hey. Uh, ju- uh, Which, Jessica. whatever. You know, it's, 20, it's 2020. My, my, my mind is wide open. Yeah, there, totally you there you go. There you go. Julia served as a member of the government-sponsored Freedom Force. Now, this is the team that was primarily made up of members of Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, Pyro, the Blob, Avalanche, etc. Well, yeah, it was a thing. I mean, she was kind of, you know. She was also a a West Coast Avenger. That's where I fell in love with her. Yes, I know. Uh, She was a member of Force Works and, briefly, Omega Flight. I remember my... I believe it was when I was shopping for comics at Osco Drug as a child. Mm -hmm. They stopped carrying Alpha Flight because obviously no one but me was buying it. (laughs) And they started carrying the West Coast Avengers. So I was like, fine, fuck it, whatever. Iron Man's in it. I fell in love with Spider-Woman in the pages of West Coast Avengers. Yeah, that's where I got on the book. Right around the time that she joined up is where I yep. got connected with West Coast oh, Avengers. Loved it. Um, it had. Um, I don't remember who was writing it, but uh, the artist was named Dave Ross, and he is amazing. 
He's a he's an amazing he, artist. Those books still look really good, by the way. Yeah, go back. he's fantastic, and really I haven't good. seen his work in years. I don't know what happened to him. Julia's powers include a much more reasonable skill set: superhuman strength, speed, agility, stamina, and durability. A healing factor, because of course, wall crawling, natch, and my favorite. The ability to create webs out of psychokinetic energy or sure. psi webs. Yeah. Like with her fucking brain, basically. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like a spider, like a spider. Sure. Yes, obviously. Uh, <laughs> in her current role, which I will address later, she also possesses the powers of telepathy, clairvoyance, and precognition super handy. Here's her origin. A secretive government group called The Commission decided to create their own superhero, Val Cooper, very popular character in the 80s and 90s. She ran Freedom Force. She ran X-Factor. She met her college friend, Julia, in her hometown of Denver and convinced her to be part of, quote unquote, an athletic study. She was unknowingly a test subject in their experiments. During the experiment, they, again, quote unquote, accidentally injected Julia with a mix of spider venom and exotic plant extracts. That's a brutal bummer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. I would uh, be pissed. <laughs> of course, these gave Julia the powers that are very similar to those of Spider-Man. Sure. She made sporadic appearances after breaking with Freedom Force, eventually aiding the West Coast Avengers and dealing with a group of supervillains called the Pacific Overlords. She was offered membership on the team. <laughs> the with Pacific which Overlords. Yeah, they were all Asian, very problematic. <laughs> sure, you know. She was offered membership on the team with which she served until it was disbanded in Avengers West Coast number 102. She later joined their spinoff team, Force Works. Eventually, she walked away from the superhero game to concentrate on raising her daughter. After a brief appearance in Howard Mackey and John Burns' terrible Amazing Spider-Man reboot, which is where we got that goddamn eight-legged Spider-Woman. Totally forgot about that. It's terrible. Julia reappeared years later during Civil War using the codename Arachne. And she was acting as a double agent for the opposition working against Iron Man's Superhuman Registration Act from the inside. She was later pardoned for her crimes in exchange for serving on the Canadian team Omega Flight. Yes, during I do remember the that. Initiative era. I totally forgot about that team completely. Oh man. But I loved it was it. like I loved it. It was like the best mix of the West Coast Avengers and Alpha Flight. It was yeah. It was, it was Arachne, so cool. US Agent, Sasquatch, Vindicator or Guardian? What's his name? Guardian? It was Guardian. And Shaman's daughter. What's her name? Talisman? Oh yes, Talisman. Yeah. Uh, Scott Collins did the art. I completely blanked it out. It was great. It was so great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dur dig this. Her first appearance, West Coast Avengers, 58 and 59, a story called Along Comes a Spider-Woman, Fabian Nicesia. Oh, yeah. Nice. There you go. During the brand new day era, Julia gains the powers and purpose of the psychic Madam Webb after the original was murdered by Sasha Kravenoff. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, Dan Slott <laughs> continued to use the character on and off during his lengthy run on Amazing Spider-Man. She showed up in Spider-Verse. Um, yeah, so he was. she was all up and down that run. But that's really the last time we saw her, as far as I know. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, she hasn't been around much since then. Yeah. 
I just fell in love with her because she was a West Coast Avenger at the time. I loved her so much. I mean, she was kind and of... And she, she was a hot redhead, too. Yeah. Oof. She was kind of rendered redundant when Marvel went all in on bringing Jessica Drew back. Yeah, pretty much. And Jessica Drew, we should, we should mention, after her series was canceled... She really fell off, and she only had yeah. a few appearances. Yeah, I she think was she, all like, but sh- forgotten. I think she showed up in like Wolverine. She was a private investigator in Madripoor or something. Yeah, it was really Brian Michael Bendis that brought that character back. Brian Michael Bendis brought the character back in Alias. Uh, if you recall the discussion about Alias at the time, I think he wanted to use Jessica Drew. Yeah, he but did, instead he him. created Jessica Jones. And they wouldn't let him for some reason. I don't know what that reason was. Well, I think maybe it's because they had the plan to bring her back. But uh, she does appear in Alias. She she meets Jessica Jones in the pages right. of Alias. And they become friends. But right. she and then was in supposed the, to be the star of Alias. I believe that's correct. And yeah. then in the pages of his new Avengers, she comes back as Spider-Woman officially. We may never know why. That's so weird. Yeah. Interesting. So strange. And Jessica Jones is all but gone. So way to go, guys. Uh, She's still around. Is she? She's got a comic coming out right now. Isn't it reprints of an old comic? It's it's print versions of the digital only series, Uh but they're still publishing it. (laughs) Just saying. So there you go. Those are the two most popular spider women, their history and why Jessica Drew is probably the best. I do love Julia. Don't get me wrong, but Jessica's probably our best. She's yeah. a bit of a mishmash. She had some rough history, but definitely. In the end, she's the Spider Woman we have. And you don't always go to war with the Spider Woman you want. Sometimes you have to go to war with the Spider Woman you have. Uh, she's not the Spider Woman we deserve, but the Spider Woman we need. Is that the line? I don't think so. No. <laughs> That's how that works out. Excelsior! (laughs) That is it for THN 565. And next time on the show, we'll be breaking down the history of all the different Forbish men. But until then, Joe Patrick, give these nerds a new question of the week that they can stay six feet away from and answer at a safe distance. Here's the line. Because he's the hero Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. So there you go. Solve that problem. This week's question was submitted by us via this podcast. How are you guys keeping up with your comics habit during this trying time? Is anyone heading to their local comic shop for a new comic book day? Is yours closed? Are you catching up on anything you're behind on? Are you just going digital? Tell us about your comics quarantine experience. Hashtag comics quarantine. We'll be moving your answers to a weekly THN cover-to-cover post on TwoEditedNerd.com while we reevaluate the future of that particular show in light of the post-pandemic nightmare our lives have become. Uh, in reality, we are practicing safe social distancing, and we just don't have the right setup to do cover-to-cover so that we can both hear and interact with you when you call in. I'm just not willing to tongue kiss Joe Patrick right now. Look, I said I would do it. I will pour a bottle of hand sanitizer. (laughs) Please. So that means we need your participation more than ever. Call us at 402-819-4894 or shoot an MP3 of your answer 
to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. I will post the the weekly prompt as usual where I talk about the news, I talk about uh, the question of the week, and you can just call in about whatever is on your mind. We want to hear from you. It's just going to be in audio and text form on the internet. It's going to be great. Hey, everybody wants to be internet famous, and this That's is your true. chance. If you're new to this show and you'd rather get sneezed on by the idiots at spring break in Miami than listen to any more, I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. But hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap, kitties. So we want to thank donors like our youngest listener, Hugo Tverdick. I know for a fact that kid does not have a job or any money. He must have money because he's giving us Good some. Lord. Man, don't tell your parents about this. Okay? <laughs> Let's keep it quiet. All right. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Jennifer and Lawrence Hernandez, two friends of mine, local creatives who are working to provide low income families in the Omaha area with creativity kits for children four through 11 during the pandemic. After a couple dozen deliveries to the community, their Facebook page exploded leading to over 700 requests. That kid's ass. Good for you guys. Word to Jennifer and her family. I'm going to put a link to uh, their fundraiser in the show notes. If you feel led to help her family out and produce more kits, please do so. No pressure. Everybody's got everybody's to do what they got to do, but the link will be there if you need it. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer. They might not be around period and it is that fucking serious right now yeah more important than ever that if you plan to continue buying comics you've got to communicate with your retailer you have to do whatever they need help them out okay and they're all reaching out right now be communicative reach out say what can i do i can't be any more serious than this yeah this could be the end of comics retailing as we know it it's that fucking scary and it's up to us to reach out and do what we can to help out. We are faced with a very real possibility that we might see comics as a weekly enterprise cease. Other than maybe a digital format. Yeah. If, if even. Uh, so, you know, please stay tuned. We're going to roll with the punches as best we can. Uh, remember that we are all in it together. We are a community. We are there for you guys and Reach out to us. Yeah, let us know. Seriously. And this is something I say on my other show, but I think it totally counts. I'm going to do it here. Take care of yourself. Take care of others. And make good decisions, you guys. This Wash is your nerd. fucking hands. <laughs> Wash your goddamn hands. This is a two-headed nerd signing off. <laughs>